You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Years ago, I was emotionally bummed because my marriage wasn't going so well, my career wasn't either, and I was feeling a lot of loneliness. And at that time in my life, I had to travel a lot for my corporate job. The loneliness of travel made all the other problems a lot worse. And one week I remember being in this hotel room in Cleveland, Ohio, and you know, when you're alone, you're tempted to do things you shouldn't do, but I was so lonely and depressed, but I, instead of doing what I wasn't supposed to do, I stumbled onto something that would help me get through my loneliness and depression at that time of life. See, I listened to a song. It's kind of an older song that stylistically wasn't really cool to me, but when I listened to it, it spoke to me, and it spoke to my story and where I was at in my life at the time, and the song made me leak significant amounts of liquid testosterone through my eye sockets. So don't make fun of me. If you're a Christ follower and you can listen to this 19 minute long song without crying, then you're a lot more hardcore than I am. Well, the song is Dennis Jernigan's song called Daddy's Song. And it's probably not up to date enough to make it onto one of our city tribe worship sets. But when I would listen to that song over and over again, God really used it to heal me emotionally. In fact, in my private worship times, even today, I often hum that song to the Lord. So what I did back in those days was I chose to worship my way to emotional wellness. And that's the declaration that I'm encouraging all of you to make today. And it's this, I choose to worship my way to wellness. I choose to worship my way to wellness. Go ahead and post it in the comments. If you're the first couple of people to post that declaration in the comments, we'll send you the copy of a book that I'm gonna mention during my talk today. But in case you're tuning in for the first time today, a couple of weeks ago, we started this teaching series called Check Your Gauges. And over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've looked at the five emotional gauges. Let's review them. Take a picture with your phone if you need it, if you hadn't already done so, so that you'll remember the five gauges. Uh, in case you don't want to take a picture, you can go to tribe.church slash tribes and get the five gauges there. But gauge number one is your relationships. How have you been encouraged by a Christ-following friend or how have you encouraged someone this week? Look at gauge number two. That's our worship. How was your heart encouraged by worshiping God this week? And then gauge number three is your physical body. Have you exercised, you know, rested, nourished your body this week? Gauge number four is your finances. Did you manage your money this week in such a way that brings you peace? And gauge number five is nature's medicine. Describe how you have spent time in nature or with your pets this week. Now, each week, What I'm doing is I'm encouraging you to check in with someone else by asking them the five questions. So pick a couple of people um, to be your emotional health support team. Get together however you're comfortable to do so, you know, on the phone or, you know, in person. And if you haven't already done it, go ahead and message or call at least a couple of other people to form your emotional health support team. Now, I know you guys well enough to know that some of you have kind of put this off. So as gently but as firmly as I can, I'm asking you to stop procrastinating. And before we move on, 
let's stop and pray and ask God to bring to our minds the people that we're to include in our emotional health support team. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would put the faces or names of people in our hearts and minds right now as we're praying. People that we need to reach out to. People that perhaps are suffering silently. Or perhaps people that are going to encourage us spiritually. So we ask you to bring them to mind and we will obey you to reach out to them to bring them onto our emotional health support teams. And God, as we study the scriptures today, we ask you by your spirit to open our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to be able to see and hear the truths that will help lead us towards emotional health and to further your kingdom. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Amen. Well, today we're going to focus in on gauge number two, worship. And of the five gauges, this one is by far the most important one. It's kind of like my daughter says sometimes when she's ordering her chicken at Chick-fil-A. She says, you may be number three on the menu, but you're number one in my heart. And in the same way, worship may be number two on the gauge list, but it's number one in terms of priority. Who and what you worship is the most significant question that you could ask yourself. Who or what you worship will ultimately determine your long-term emotional health. And that's why the book Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller resonated with so many people. He identified people's idols as their ultimate source of meaning. And back in the Bible, there were people who actually worshiped statues or physical idols. And even though very few people today worship idol statues. Keller says that idols are alive and well in many different forms. In fact, there are a lot of idols that are considered good things by a lot of people. So the thing that makes a good thing as an, an idol is when that good thing becomes your ultimate source of meaning. So if your money, by the way, money is not a bad thing, is it? But if your money becomes your ultimate source of meaning, money is your idol. Your kids are a good thing, but if your kids are your ultimate source of meaning, they're your idol. That applies to your politics, or um, it applies to your career, to your reputation, to your sex life or sexual identity, your hobby, your social justice cause, or your company. If it's your ultimate source of meaning, it becomes your idol. And look at what Keller says. When you lose the ultimate source of your meaning or hope, there are no alternative sources to turn to. It breaks your spirit. And he goes on to explain in the book, that's why after the global economic crisis began in 2008, the formerly wealthy chief financial officer of Freddie Mac Home Mortgage Company hanged himself in his basement because his idol had let him down. That's why so many people are suffering emotionally right now is that their counterfeit gods are letting them down. You find out a lot about a person's true emotional health when they lose their ultimate source of meaning. Look, I understand that there are people who find a level of emotional well-being without God, but will it last? There are also a lot of people who believe in God. However, even though they believe in God, they don't really worship him as their ultimate source of meaning. All of us, will someday, believers and non-believers alike, will be tested when we lose what's most dear to us. And there is someone that you can't lose, 
And that's the someone that we want to point you today. We want to point you to God. You can never lose your relationship with him. And the pleasure of experiencing God is by far better than the physical jolt of anything I've experienced on this earth. He's better than any adrenaline, skydiving, bungee jumping, roller coaster experience I've had. He's more fulfilling than any goal I've achieved. He's more thought provoking than any podcast I've listened to or book that I've read. He's more satisfying than the best and most robust morning cup of coffee. He gives more joy and pleasure than the best glass of red wine in the evening. He is my ultimate source of meaning and fulfillment. God is so ultimately satisfying that the temporary trials of this world pale in comparison to the eternity in paradise that we'll be able to spend with him. And so when we've been in heaven for 72 billion years, we'll look back on our earthly anxieties and depressions as a less than a drop in the bucket compared to an eternity of his peace and his love and worshiping him. So worship is a focus on God. It's not a focus on me. It's not a focus on you. I know we're all trying to keep our emotional health, but if we focus on ourselves, we may just miss God. So here's one of my favorite definitions of worship. Take a look. Worship is seeing what God is worth and giving him what he's worth. It's seeing God for what he's worth and giving him what he's worth. And he is worth our time, our passions, our efforts, and our love. Worship is such a significant theme in the Bible. And there's strong evidence throughout the scripture that worship creates an environment to receive emotional healing and maintain good emotional health. And when we embrace that connection between worship and healing, our relationship with God deepens and we enjoy a renewed sense of trust in him as our healer. Now, a few minutes ago, we read this story about how young David's worship music had a healing effect on King Saul. So today, we're gonna look at four ways to worship our way to wellness. Take a look at number one. Worship when you think God left you. Now, we got this from verse 14 of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look at it with me on screen. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. So what's going on here in this passage? Did God really leave Saul and go to David? Well, yes, I believe he did. And I've read some commentators who say God leaving Saul just meant that he no longer endorsed Saul as the king. And I'm not so sure that that's all it means, but I'm still thinking about and studying this particular issue in the scripture. However, what I do know is why the spirit of the Lord left Saul. And it's because Saul blatantly disobeyed direct orders from God himself. Saul was one of those people who always had to control the situation. He couldn't give up control to God. And my sense is, is that Saul worshiped God so he could just get and keep the throne. Whereas if you compare him to David, David wanted to worship God so he could get God. Did you catch that? Saul worshiped to get the throne, to get the reward. David worshiped God just to get more of God. And that's a big difference. And if you read about David and Saul's relationship in the Old Testament of the Bible, you'll see that it went downhill to the point that Saul eventually started 
hunting David, trying to kill him. And one day, Saul went into a cave when he was in the midst of hunting David down, trying to kill him. He went into a cave to use the restroom. He kind of let down his guard and unbeknownst to Saul, David was actually in the cave. And David had the perfect opportunity to kill Saul, his threat, but he didn't do it. And why is that? Because David wanted God more than he wanted the throne or safety from Saul. And here's why I'm telling you this. A lot of you tuned in today because you want God to make you feel better. And there's nothing wrong with that. Worshiping God can make you feel better, but there's something better than just feeling better. Getting deeper intimacy with God is better than just feeling better. More of God solves the deepest yearnings in our hearts. Now, another question that this text brings up is, and perhaps you've thought it, will God leave me like he left Saul? Now, a lot of people constantly question their own salvation or relationship with God. I have too. It fills, this question fills a lot of people with depression and fear. Do you ever have the thought cross your mind that your last sin caused God to bail out on you? Or have you ever thought you've messed up so much that you somehow lost your relationship with God? Or have you ever wandered, you know, kind of wondered in your mind if you've wandered so far from God that he'll never uh, take you back and you'll never find your way back to him? Well, to answer all of these questions and to deal with all of these thoughts, we have to make sure that today we're clear on the difference between the old covenant that Saul was under and the new covenant or the New Testament that we're under today. Now, in case you're not familiar with what a Bible covenant's all about, here's a simple definition of a covenant. A covenant is a strong, solemn agreement between two parties. Now, I would have said a covenant is like a contract, but it's actually a lot more binding than a contract as we understand contracts today. So with that in mind, let's compare the Old Covenant or the Old Testament with the New Covenant, the New Testament that we're under today. Under the Old Covenant, blood atonement sacrifices were repeatedly offered for the forgiveness of sin. Whereas under the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus was offered once and for all. Under the Old Covenant, uh, things were the agreement with God was temporary. Under the new covenant, it's eternal and permanent. Under the old covenant, God lived in the tabernacle or in the temple. Under the new covenant, God lives in our hearts, maybe not in the physical organ of our heart, but he lives within our spirit. Under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon a certain few just for a time. But under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit lives inside all believers forever. So with that in mind, is anybody besides me glad that we're under the new covenant today? It is great to be under the new covenant. And if you've believed in Jesus, you're what's called in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is grieved when you sin and when you struggle, but even when you do royally screw up, he's still faithful to you because you're in Christ. Now, let me illustrate it like this. I brought this birthday card that my wife gave me. And this birthday card represents me and us. And this old Bible I'm holding represents Christ. And we, when we believed, we are placed in Christ. So he's ultimately faithful to us because we're in him, see? 
We see this concept in Romans chapter eight, verse one. Let me read it to you real quick. It says, there, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then uh, if you look at Romans chapter eight, verse 38, it says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is what? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So basically what Paul explains is that God's kindness leads us to repentance, not his judgment. So because we've received such kindness, let's worship the one who will never leave you or never forsake you. If you've fallen down, you can just get up again and say, I'm gonna choose to worship my way to wellness. Now, look at number two. Worship music is like emotional medicine. And we get this from verse 16 of 1 Samuel 16. Look at what it says. Let us find a, this, these are the servants of King Saul. They said, let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. So the healing effect of music is actually the focus of a guy named Dr. David Greensburg. He's a psychologist and musician at the University of Cambridge and City University of New York. He also researches musical talent in autism and how music can increase mental health. And he wrote this blog for Psychology Today called The World's First Music Therapist. And here's what he said. Music was at, has actually been used as therapy for thousands of years. I initially thought that the earliest account of music therapy was from the Greek philosopher and mathematician Pythagoras, who would prescribe different, check this out, musical scales and modes to cure different physical and psychological ailments. But there's an even earlier account and it came from a source that I did not initially anticipate. So at this point, Dr. Greensburg uh, rekindled his friendship with an older Jewish teacher who referred him to the passage that we're studying today, 1 Samuel chapter 16. So Dr. Greensburg had never read 1 Samuel 16. And after he did, look at what he said. Here before my eyes was one of the first accounts of music therapy. David was able to cure King Saul's depression through music. So this brilliant psychologist and musician at Cambridge concluded, thus before David became a great warrior and king, he was first a music therapist. So we have a title for the music therapists in our church. They're called worship leaders. You can see uh, this picture of Natalie and Jake Kreifels and of course Gideon, uh, our worship leaders here at City Tribe Church. And these are people that are talented musically, but for them, this is not about being rock stars or entertaining. These people are true worshipers that see their role as pointing people to Jesus, not themselves. And they would say that every one of us is a worshiper and can be, in a sense, a worship 
leader. They would also tell us that we don't have to worship just in a building and that we can't associate our worship too much with any particular building because it's God we're worshiping. That's why here at City Tribe Church, we don't worship the Cameo Theater, even though we thank God that he blessed us with this great building in which to worship. And someday, if our church outgrows this building, then we perhaps will have to relocate to another space in order to worship. Now, our executive pastor, Jake Kreifels, has led us to create original music, original worship music to sing here in the church. And uh, some of that music you hear on Sunday in our services. In fact, God led Jake to create a recording studio on the south side of San Antonio that's open to musicians of every sort, but it's primarily a place to create music that recognizes that God is our ultimate source of meaning, that God is our emotional and spiritual healer. And if you'd like to see a YouTube video that kind of tells the story of the Greenhouse Studio, we'll link to that below. Recently, Gideon Roberts collaborated on writing a song with Meredith Malden, who pioneered Upper Room's worship movement and even sang it with one of Upper Room's worship leaders, Abby Simmons. And in case you didn't know, Upper Room is one of the most far-reaching worship music creators these days. And I love worshiping with our great and talented musicians and worship leaders here at City Tribe, but I haven't always been that way. In fact, I remember being a new Christ follower and thinking to myself as I'm standing there in church, I ain't singing nothing unless it's Kiss, Ted Nugent, or Led Zeppelin. The music of my church growing up wasn't as good as the music here at City Tribe Church. So at church services, I just kind of stood there like a bump on a log, never singing along. Till finally I had a youth pastor who challenged me to sing along, even though the music wasn't what I was used to singing. So the reality was that my non-participation in the worship music really had more to do with machismo and pride in my heart than it did the musical style of the church. So I took baby steps in worship. So first, my first step was just kind of chiming in on the chorus. I would sing a little bit of the chorus. Then occasionally I'd try and sing the whole song if I liked it. Then I started getting crazy and I held out my hand while I was singing. And after that, I just, it was all over. I just got swept up into the music worship and I lifted both my hands and I would sing with reckless abandon. And if you're new to worshiping through music, I wanna challenge you to take a step of participation in the music that's beyond where you've been. And what you'll find is that over time, God will use it to heal you and reveal more of himself to you as you engage in worshiping through the music. Now, these days, I play worship music on my phone as I do projects around the house, and I sometimes find myself swept up by the music and the presence of the Holy Spirit as I worship. So much so that I'll often stop what I'm doing in my workshop and just raise my hands and worship God. Sometimes I'll stop and kneel as I worship him with tears or liquid testosterone running down my face. And it's mysterious. I never know when that's gonna happen. You know, some people call that like a breakthrough in worship. When you break through to a spiritual experience of God with the music. It can happen in a church. 
It can happen in your car. It can happen in your living room. It can happen a lot of different places. I can't control if the wind of God blows through and gives me a breakthrough, but I can lift up my hands to God, which is like lifting up the sails of a sailboat to catch the wind if it blows by. Now, you have to understand that worship is so much bigger than just music. But today, uh, music is an expression of worship that we're focusing in on. So here are a few uh, worship music playlists on Spotify that may be helpful for you. We'll post those below. One is hip-hop worship. Another one is like gospel worship, if, that, if that's the style you like. Another is Latin worship. And then uh, the last one is modern worship, much like what you hear at City Tribe. But I'd like you to post your favorite worship song and band in the comments, and perhaps it will encourage someone else as they see your recommendations. But look at number three. Worship is emotional shepherding. It's like emotional Shepherding. I got this idea from 1 Samuel 16, 19. Look at that text with me. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. David was a shepherd. David sang to his sheep. He would sing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And see, shepherds, they protect. Shepherds carry sheep when they're wounded. Worshiping with sheep is what prepared David to be the shepherding king who would lead an entire nation to worship God as the ultimate source of meaning. And David's heart of love is what made him a picture of one to come. That's Jesus, our shepherd. And Jesus is a model how we must shepherd our people. And here's what I believe is that God is raising up many shepherds in our church. Many of you have been broken and God has brought you to a place of emotional and spiritual health. And now he is raising you up to lead a tribe or shepherd his people in a way that only you can do. You have unique gifts, abilities, experiences, and perspective that no one else had, has. And God is bringing people into your care as a shepherd or a shepherdess. And if you missed last Sunday's teaching, go back and watch that teaching on YouTube. We'll link to it below um, and see what God does in you. Now, one of the things that helped me kind of as a dude comprehend the importance of worship was when I understood that this is number four, worship is emotional war. Worship is emotional war. I got this from 1 Samuel 16, 18. Look at that verse with me. It says, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a, look at this, a brave warrior, a man of war. And he has good judgment too. He's also a fine looking young man and the Lord is with him. So single ladies, if you meet a fine looking man and the Lord is with him, you better move in with your womanly wiles because men like that are very rare these days. But it's not insignificant that David was a brave warrior and a worshiper because those two things go together. That's why we often sing that song here in worship. This is how I fight my battles. This is what was going on in the next verse I want to show you. Look at verse 23 of 1 Samuel 16. It says, and whenever the tormenting spirit 
from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. It's time for some of you to tell the tormenting spirit to go away. To gain your emotional health is a war with tormenting spirits. It's a spiritual battle. It's a worship battle. And sometimes it's a battle to make yourself sing or worship. You know, when you don't feel like worshiping, that's oftentimes the time you need to worship the most. And musical worship has the power to welcome the Holy Spirit who forces out the tormenting spirit. I'll never forget an experience I had in Romania some years ago. I was with a mentor of mine and we were teaching youth pastors how to have effective youth ministries at a large cabin out in the snow-covered mountains of Romania. And one evening, someone sent for me because a young woman started literally manifesting an evil spirit, a demon. And by the way, I know this is really weird for those of you who are new to church. Believe you me, it was weirder for me to see it in person. Well, the young lady's name was Christina and her boyfriend's name was Luge. And he was rightfully upset that this voice was speaking uh, through his girlfriend. I was actually kind of excited to help my mentor cast the demons out of Christina that night, because since he had mentored me, I had learned a lot of stuff about spiritual warfare. Well, we both got a little bit humbled because everything we tried failed to kick the demons out of Christina. We tried reading scripture. We tried praying in the spirit. We looked for inner wounds and all kinds of things. It seemed like we tried everything we knew, but the demons weren't leaving. So we battled those things late into the night, and it was about 2 a.m. And even though we weren't able to get the demons out, I think we were loosening their hold on her. And one of the things that helped us was that a large group of people were praying for us and they were praying for Christina and her freedom. And then I'll never forget this little short Romanian woman walks into the room. Now I have kind of a preconceived notion about short Romanian women. I halfway expected her to do like a Nadia Kamenichi gymnast cartwheel across the room, but she didn't do that. But in one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard, she started to sing a traditional Romanian worship song. And I remember watching Christina's face change from stress and rage caused by the demons to rest and peace. And as she was sitting there, she was at such peace that she actually fell over like a wet noodle. And when Christina got up, the demons were gone and she was at peace. And I brought a picture of Christina and her boyfriend, Luge, so that you could see the beautiful peace in her smile. So it's time for some of you to worship your way to wellness. And you might be asking, well, Doug, are you saying that I have a demon on me or in me or around me? I don't know about all that. I don't know if you have a demon or not. But what I do know is that whether or not you have any demons near you, that you can worship your way to wellness. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Just two simple things. Number one, listen to at least one worship song every day and try and sing along with it. Just one every day, because what I want you to learn 
is that you can worship on your own. You don't have to depend on church services on Sunday to lead you in worship. Certainly that's important, but we want you to be worshipers on your own. But look at number two. Right now, as we're about to sing, I'm gonna ask you to participate in the music beyond what you've done before. Stretch yourself, step out of your comfort zone. I know it's a little bit hard to sing along with a video screen, but if you've never sung out loud, I want you to try it. If you've never held out a hand to God, try it. If you've never lifted up both hands in worship, you might just try it. And for some of you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that you're at the cameo and that you're getting out of your seat and walking down in front of the stage like is our custom to do, you know, where we pray on those prayer rugs and we kneel right there before God. I want you to kneel right there in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you're at as if you're in front of the cameo stage. And I want you to fight your battles in worship. Your step of faith to worship today is gonna lead you to worship your way to wellness. So let's pray before we sing. God, I know that for some people to worship their way to wellness, they have to first believe in you. And so for some right now, their hearts are stirring and they're being drawn into a love relationship with you. And if that's you, I want you to just talk to God in your own heart right now and say something like this. God, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I want to be under the new covenant, God. So I welcome you into my life, Jesus, so that I can truly worship you in spirit and in truth. And others of us, God, are gonna worship our way to wellness or keep our wellness. And others of us, God, are saying to the tormenting spirit, you must go. And we're saying the depression spirit must go. And we're saying the suicidal spirit must go. Holy Spirit of God, welcome to fill us and force out all tormenting spirits. We pray this in the authority, the blood, and the power of Jesus Christ.
mountain weight Take these ocean tears And hold me through the trial Come like hope When the fight seems lost, I'll praise you. Even when it hurts like hell, I'll praise you. Even when it makes no sense to sing louder than I'll sing your praise. Ooh, I will. As we wrap up today for our benediction each week during this series, we're reflecting on the serenity prayer. So if you're comfortable to read it out loud, I want you to do that with me. God, grant me the serenity 
to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. You guys have an amazing week of emotional healing and worship, and we'll see you next Sunday. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.